This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast, where Kristen Urgel, a longtime TV sports reporter and college football coach's wife, goes one-on-one with her fellow coaches' wives. We will uncover the stories of the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. I'm completely honored to have the head football coach's wife from the University of Southern Mississippi, Michelle Hobson. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. I'm honored that you asked me. Coach Hobson is in his third season, now three straight winning seasons. You know, I was looking up a stat, really stuck out. Only one other coach in school history had won 15 games in the first two years. He's had a tremendous career. Stops in the SEC. Michelle, what are you most proud of? What I would say, first of all, comes to mind that I'm most proud of, of course, is our two daughters who have gone through this life with us, and they're 15 and 17, and they're just really sweet, wonderful young ladies, and I'm really proud of them. But um, otherwise, I would say I have a lot of pride in watching um, the fact that Jay and I grew up from the ages of 15 and 16 we met, and watching him evolve from a high school player through college, being a young assistant, and all the um, adversity, all the great, wonderful things that happened, all the ups and downs. Um, I'm really proud that I got to watch him evolve into the man that he is today um, because I think he's very, um, just very humble. He has a big heart. He is a strong man and he's um, very wise. And he is a competitor, of course, but um, just a really good person. He loves the Lord. So, it's kind of neat when you grow up with someone like we have just to watch him become who he's supposed to be. Mm. Absolutely. Now you've been a coach's wife for 22 years. Is that right? Yes. 22 years. What do you enjoy most about it? Looking back, I've enjoyed um, a lot of things, but I can think off the top of my head, I've really enjoyed um, on the moving end of it, I've enjoyed all the college campuses. I've enjoyed seeing the different levels of football. Um, you know, people think that only big time football is the important, you know, thing because the media gives it so much attention. But every team and every school have their own traditions, have their own history, have their own fan base. So I've enjoyed seeing all the different towns, the colleges, the schools, and their um, what they have to offer. And I have also enjoyed meeting people because I'm a people person. Mm. Um, I've enjoyed, God's people are everywhere if you just go out and find them. And so I've enjoyed, you know, I have friends all over the country, like um, many, almost all coaches' wives and coaches' families do. And so I've enjoyed that. And also now that I have been a head coach's wife for six years, um, I enjoy, I enjoy the fact that I get to do things, simple things. Something that's simple for me means so much to someone else. Like I can go get a football sign by my husband or I can bring them, you know, do, go, give them a, a seat in my suite or, you know, something simple I can do that makes someone so happy. Well, we have been friends for quite a while. I think it was 2003. Um, I was a GA's wife when y'all are at Southern Miss a prior time. You know, it was the first time uh, I had moved away from home. I was just struggling with the adjustment. I don't know if you remember that, but you gave me a friend. I do. And it has just stuck with me and it's become a motto for you. What was that phrase? 
Yes, I do remember you being a newlywed and um, struggling with being away from home. And at that point, it had been, um, I think, our fourth move. And we had two little girls. And our family motto um, that I gave to you was, bloom where God plants you. And um, I have actually a funny story that goes with that. Um, When Jay and I were first married, we moved to West Virginia, and mm-hmm. um, he likes to tell people that I cried every state line we crossed close <laughs> to West Virginia. And so we got there, and he literally, uh, after the honeymoon, he drops me off in our trailer to start unpacking and getting the house in order. And he leaves for a whole week to go to football camp. Oh, you know, then the, when they stay in the dorms with the players for the week. And so this was before cell phones, and it's before. Um, you know, we could call on cell phones. And so I went the next day to the gas station to call my mom to make a collect call. Wow. wow. <laughs> and I call my mom. Does that date me? <laughs> so I make a collect call and I call my mom and I'm crying. And I say, Mama, I want to come home. And my mother says, um, honey, you are home. Hmm. And um, I was like, oh, that's not what I wanted to hear. Mm, (laughs) And now that I'm, and now that I'm a mom myself, I know that must have been so hard for her to say, Mm, but mm. it kind of hit me right between the eyes, you know, um, okay, you've been waiting to marry this man. You're, you're there, you're starting your life. You're going to have to figure this out. And so for the first like six months we lived in um, West Virginia, um, I couldn't find a job. I'm a school teacher. And, um, I was just, you know, out looking for jobs. Jay was working all the time. I was lonely. I missed home. I missed my friends, my family. And he would get home from work, and I would just start crying almost every single day. I'm sure he thought, what have I done? Marrying this girl and moving her to West Virginia? This is not going good. <laughs> so finally, after about six months, really, I decided, okay, Michelle, you have a choice here. You can um, be unhappy or you can learn how to deal do this because this is you know going to be your life so I just kind of God just spoke to my heart and I just decided I've got to get out there and meet people and become involved and you know I've got a purpose for um for being here I need to fulfill it so that's when we kind of formed our our motto bloom where God plants you because you know I feel like um you know, this is a journey. It's a spiritual journey, just as much as a football journey. And he puts us in each little town for whatever amount of time for a reason, you know, it might be for, um, for for me, it might be something that somebody there is supposed to witness to me or impact my life or for Jay or, Mm. well, we're supposed to do that for them, you know, Um, or for our children, it might be something that our children need. So it might not always be about football that right. particular stop on the on the on the, the road so that's our family motto and um even our little even our two girls they learned the motto when they were little I would ask them and they would say bloom where God plants you and um one time uh we met, we had a move that um my oldest said um I said well how are y'all doing have you bloomed where God planted you and my oldest was like, I'm a rose in a beautiful garden. And she was all positive. You know, <laughs> my right. youngest was not very happy about the move. And she said, 
oh, I'm just a little sprout. (laughs) (laughs) So she was not happy at all, but she soon started to bloom. So yes, I'm glad my motto helped you a little bit or stuck with you. It did. I do think about it very often. You know, some of the size towns are different that you live in. Some are really small and some are large and some are easier to get connected in than others. But I, I have thought about that phrase and I thought about your vision. And it's almost like choosing joy. Joy is a choice you mm-hmm. make in the middle of battle, you know, That's choosing true. joy in those circumstances. Yes. Now, how did this Definitely. journey start for you? Where did you meet Jay Hobson? Okay. Well, I don't know if you know this story. Um, we met in high school. Really? Um, I was, yeah, we did. Uh-huh. We went to the same high school in Vicksburg, Mississippi. We went to Warren Central High School and um, I was in 10th grade and he was in 11th and um, he asked me to wear his jersey the Friday before a football game. That's what the play, football players did. And that was kind of our first, you know, little get together. Um, and then our first date was the homecoming dance in wow. 1985. Wow. And we dated for 12 years we dated through high school and then college we dated um and so I went with him watched him as you know a high school player Mm -hmm. a college player and then a GA Mm -hmm. um after college I moved home and taught elementary school and he was a grad assistant coach and you know he moved every year um during that time so I tried to convince him to I was like, I'll, I'll support us on a teacher's salary. Let's get married, you know, because GAs don't make any money, right. as you know. <laughs> and um, he was like, no, not until I get a real coaching job. So once we got, he got the real, the first full paid coaching job, we got married. So we dated from, for 12 years before you we were married. Were so, you know, I know, I know. <laughs> I was, I was like, I put this much time in. I'm not giving up now. <laughs> Just the tenacity and, um, to get to that point. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, uh, in a way you can say, okay, well, I knew what I was getting into. I knew it, it was a lot of long hours. I knew it was a lot of moves um, and stress. But really, I don't think it was the reality of it really had sunk in until, I don't know if it really can until you mm. live it. You know, okay. I was just so in love and I just mm-hmm. wanted to be with him and I didn't care where we lived or how much money he made or how many hours he worked. I just wanted to be with him. And um, I really think you got to have that kind of love mm-hmm. in this kind of life because it is hard. It is hard. Very hard. And mm-hmm. your journey, you know, hasn't been without hills and valleys. Um, It was actually through the impact of a coach's wife, Jerry Spurrier, Steve Spurrier's wife, when he was coaching at Florida. She, uh, Mm -hmm. I read about this and correct me if I'm wrong, but she scheduled coaches on her staff at Florida doctor checkups. They found something suspicious. And at the age of 24, your husband, Jay, was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Um, What went through your head? Yes, that is pretty accurate. Um, she, I thought this was the neatest thing because, um, you know, after you finish playing football, men usually aren't very good about yearly checkups. And it had been about probably five years since he had been a player and he hadn't had a checkup. since. Hmm. So she did, she would schedule all the coaches and she would say, okay, your appointment is tomorrow at two o'clock, be there. And um, Jay went for his appointment and they found um, something suspicious and they found that he had testicular cancer. Um, 
he was 27 actually. 27. And, um, mm -hmm. and he, um, he found out in the end of football season and he had to have surgery and radiation treatment following that. And actually I think that I was so young. Mm -hmm. I was 25 at the time that I don't really think, I think I would still felt like, Oh, everything's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, invincible you know how young people are and I really um I think it kind of just flew over my head the seriousness of it mm -hmm. um it was then later the second time he got it um 12 years later in 2007 mm -hmm. he um we were married for 10 years we had two little girls and he was the defensive coordinator at, here at Southern Miss Wow. And it was October and he was doing a self exam. And because he's had it before, he knows, you know, exactly what he was looking for and he felt something suspicious. And I thought, um, he told me about it. I'm like, No way. That's not mm. what it is. That can't that can't be, you know. Mm. And um, sure enough, it was. It had come back. Wow. And twelve years later and that one really the wind out of my sails because now here we are um you know we're older more mature we have two children it was very public as you can imagine mm -hmm. because it was the middle of football season he's the defensive coordinator um that one really scared me I thought well has it gone throughout his body uh you know are we going to lose him what are we going to do you know right. lots of questions lots of fear and um he had his own things to deal with you know um we even wondered if he'd be able to continue coaching after surgery we didn't know what life was going to be like after surgery wow. or even if he should continue coaching um you know I have I have a funny story a little side note about that not funny it's not a funny story it's a really amazing story hmm. um when he um found out he had the cancer he said you know I want to go where the best are I want to find some really great doctors to do this um, so we did our research and we found the same clinic that Lance Armstrong had gone to wow. and it was the University of Indiana um, hospital in Indianapolis so um, we tried to make phone call after phone call to get an appointment and get in and um, nobody you know we couldn't get in hmm. and so finally after about three days Jay was just really getting impatient he said you know I'm just going up there I'm flying up there and somebody's going to see me so I was like okay let's do this and so um, we had this wonderful um, alumni that flew us up um, to Indianapolis it was his dad who is a physician and his sister and myself and, and Jay and so we go up there and we go to the waiting room and his dad has all his records and his x-rays and everything. And so he and his dad go sit down in the waiting room. It's just full. And so I think, okay, we're going to be here all day. We have no appointments. Right. Um, yeah. They don't even know who we are. <laughs> wow. <laughs> go get lunch. We go, we're like, okay, we're going to go get lunch and bring back to y'all. So we go get lunch and we come back to the waiting room and they're not in the waiting room. They are in the doctor's office with the doctor and they schedule surgery for the next morning wow is that not a god thing that <laughs> is a god thing Amazing. wow and, and, and i was like wow this was just meant to be you know 
is. And his surgery was great. You know, he was, his cancer was contained. It hadn't spread anywhere. He didn't have to have radiation or chemotherapy. So um, he only missed one football game that season. It was, um, it was really a, a blessing, you know, a miracle. For and sure. we're very thankful. And, he, and now he's been cancer free for um, 11 years. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm sure mm-hmm. in, in those moments, you were surrounded by fear. You know, you don't know what the future holds. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it means. How did you deal with those emotions? How did it change you and Jay? Well, you know, um, I, I remember him saying, you know, I'm, I'm not ever going to be the same kind of coach I was, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be different. And I think that, you know, of course we rely on our faith and our heavenly father. And, um, I think that that was kind of a, a perspective setter for us, you know, mm-hmm. kind of redirecting us back onto what's most important. And I think that this life is um, so fast paced and so stressful and so nonstop and so competitive that you can get wrapped up in trying to um, get to a better job to make more money, get to a, a higher position become a coordinator, become a head coach, to get those recruits, you know, there's so much you push yourself to do that you can lose sight of why you're doing it, really, or why you're supposed to be doing it, you know, Mm -hmm. because really, um, we all have platforms, you know, coach has a platform, a teacher has a platform, parents have platforms, and we're supposed to use our platform to point to God, you know, to make a difference in the world, and so, I think that sometimes we can get off track and I'm not saying that God caused that to happen, cancer to happen to us, but I think sometimes he allows things into our life just so that we can learn a lesson or redirect us, you know, Mm. Um, another time in our life where I feel like that happened was um, in 2011. Um, Jay was the defensive coordinator at the university of Memphis and he was, um, he was fired after his second game of the second season. Hmm. So, you know, it's different when your head coach is fired, you know, that kind of doesn't sting as much as being singled out fired, you know, Yes. and then being singled out the second game of the second season, you know, where the, everybody else, we still have your whole season to play, you know, that one really, um, actually, I think that was harder for me personally, than cancer, which is kind of crazy to say, but I think because I think that God used that time to do a lot of things in both of us, Mm -hmm. um, to, to root out things that we shouldn't have in us, to put things in us that needed to be there, to make us stronger spiritually and emotionally and as a couple and um, it was a hard, hard year, one of the hardest of our marriage and one of the hardest of my life. Um, it was 10 months before we had wow. a job. To... Yeah. And how old were your children? Hiding um, let's see. They were, let me think. Oh my God, I, have to, I always have to count backwards the years. Yes. Um, mm. I think they were about let's see, 11, 9 and 10. Nine and ten. They were definitely Mm -hmm. aware of what was going on. 
They were. They were. I remember them wondering why daddy was home all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. You know, that, that had, um, once everybody got over the shock of daddy being home, it actually had a lot of blessings to it. It was kind of nice for a right. few months for daddy to help with homework and, <laughs> yes. and, you know, things he never had done before. But once the hiring and um, the carousel kind of came and went, we didn't get a job. Um, it wasn't until May, it was actually Memorial Day, he got a job. So we was way past the hiring, firing season. That's kind of the season we're in right now. You know, half of them are, half coaches are doing, getting ready for both trips and, you know, wives mm-hmm. are planning those fun, exciting times and, or going to playoffs if you're an FCS or D2, D3, you know, high school, you know, just like you've mentioned, you know, a wife might be right now, you know rushing to check your kids out of school because the news is about to hit their dad's been fired. You know, it's going to leave the story at six and 10 and now social mm-hmm. media just blows it up. And, and then you see, you know, people in town, you see donors in town who you kind of thought were on your side. And then, you know, you've lived that before. I mean, mm-hmm. what do you tell him when he walks in the door? Well, yeah, I have lived that. I lived it for 10 months. I had to live in that community, and, and it was like an elephant was always in the room with me. You know, everybody, I felt like people were looking at us in Sunday school like, your husband doesn't have a job. What are you doing here? You know, mm-hmm. or you're at the grocery store, you're at your children's school, and you have to keep life going for your kids, you know. Mm. You can't just close yourself up in your house even though you want to right. <laughs> you go through all these different stages we went through all these different stages during that period you know grief and resentment to hope you know to anger um there was a time that I was actually during that period I was really angry with God because I thought he was being so silent mm-hmm. and he wasn't listening to my prayers you know and he is the only way that we got through it. Even though I was angry at him at times, right. he is the only way that we got through it. And what I would say to Jay is I just tried to stay positive and honest. And um, I had to um, try to not let my feelings, my emotions rise and fall with his. You mm, know, and, I, and actually, I, I give that advice actually to even young coaches wives on our staff you know after a loss even now you know don't let your emotions rise and fall with your husband because I did do that when I was a young wife if he was upset and over a loss or over something that happened I would be upset and I would be a mess over it you know and I think that they need that positive um, grounded person to kind of keep them going at times, you know, Mm, that is wisdom. I mean, don't let your emotions rise and fall with that, Mm -hmm. you know, that Mm -hmm. that's deep right there. I mean, if you can pull that off, you know, if you, that's a lot of, (laughs) no, but it takes a lot of internal fortitude. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I do always pull that off, (laughs) but but, sometimes I don't show it to him, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you lean? I mean, obviously you lean on your faith. It sounds like you mm-hmm. lean on your relationship with Lord when, when there's just so much uncertainty with health or a job, has that been your center? 
Oh, definitely for both Jay and I. And I do so much praying. I pray every day and I pray, we pray together. I pray for him. And, um, you know, sometimes I don't even know what to pray. And I just pray that prayer that never fails, you know, Lord, your will be done. Or I ask the Holy Spirit just to take over and pray for me because I don't know what the right thing is, you know. But prayer and my faith in God have been the center of our lives and our marriage, definitely. And I don't know how we would have made it without him, you know. Um, He is just our rock. I have some fast five questions for you. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is something people would be surprised to know about you? They would be surprised to know that I was very shy when I was young. That um, uh, Jay will tell people that on our first date, I wouldn't talk to him and I would not even dance with him at the homecoming dance because I was so shy. (laughs) And I've definitely come out of it in in my lifetime. Okay. What is your go-to meal to cook? I go in spurts where I really love to cook and I like the meal prep and um, you know, cook healthy. And then I go in spurts where I don't really want to cook anything. So my go-to meal, especially when I don't want to cook anything is rotisserie chicken, baked potato, and, um, a vegetable, (laughs) which is actually what we're having for dinner tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's so easy. You know what? I didn't have any options tonight, so I might whip that up. (laughs) All right. There you go. It's easy. Uh, something no one knows about you. A lot of people think I was a cheerleader in high school because I married the quarterback, um, but I never did cheer. I was not a cheerleader. <laughs> What's your favorite book? Right now, I'm actually reading um, Bob Goff. I did um, Love Does, and um, now I'm reading his second book, Everybody Always. So I'm really loving his message. I don't know if you've read his book, but... Um, mm-hmm. He is, he, I highly recommend his books. It's very good. Um, he tells all these different stories about these crazy things that happened in his life and what he learned about God in each of those situations. And it's one of those books where you can read just like one chapter. It's not like they build on each other. So mm-hmm. it's a really, it's a great um, like summer read or something. I recommend that. Very cool. Good recommendation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have a favorite TV show? Yes, we do. Our family loves the show Modern Family. It's um, uh, it's on ABC. I don't know if you've watched it before. It's hilarious. It. It's a comedy. Okay. Mm-hmm. I hear people talking about it. Yeah, you need to watch it. You will. You will. L O L. Thank you so much, Michelle. This has been encouraging, <laughs> insightful. It's just so much fun for me and our listeners. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. I appreciate you. Make sure to subscribe to the Coach's Wife Life podcast. And for a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit coacheswifelife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.